Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oh My God, I Can't, the podcast about everything and nothing at all. So today, I have my friend James with me, also known as the big guy. Um, I've known this guy for, goddamn, a long time. I don't want to say how long, because then people don't know how old we are. We were five years old. <laughs> five years old. Now we're like 30. Yeah. So it's been a minute. In dog years. In dog yes. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, I brought him on today because there's some amazing topics that I wanted to talk about. The first one is this whole situation. Did you see Finding Neverland? I saw the first one. Oh, my God. No, I got rid of my HBO and all my cable, but I actually ordered HBO off Hulu so I could watch it. Just to watch that sickness? Mm, yes. Okay. Okay, so the, there's so much about this that I want to talk about. And let me just start with, I don't want to offend anybody because I know that this is a very sensitive topic and mm-hmm. people you know, feel very strongly one way or the other. Okay. Let me just say that I watched both of it, and then I watched Oprah after, and I was riveted. Mm-hmm. That's some good shit. Right. It was fucking good. <laughs> so, number one, do I think Michael Jackson is a pedophile? Do I? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the quintessential child of the mm-hmm. '80s. Like, I grew up on MJ. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Thriller. Do you remember? Yes, of course. I, I had remember. The poster, everything. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed. <clears throat> and. Do you, okay, let's take it back a couple of years. Do you remember the whole Martin Bashir thing that happened? Like, I think it was like 2003 or four. Remind me. Okay. Martin Bashir did this thing. It was an interview where it was living with Michael Jackson. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. When he was talking about like uh, being in bed with a child is the most loving thing you can do to share your bed. That Correct. One? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And not to sound like a naive asshole, but I watched that. And I remember it was on the heels of the first accusation. It was like 1993. Yeah was the first one. So this was like 10 years later. It was like 2003. So we kind of moved past it. Sure. So the crazy thing was, is I remember watching that and I remember him talking about his childhood or lack thereof, right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I remembered about that was he was talking about how he was on the limo with the Jackson 5 and they were going to the recording studio and that they would drive by these parks and they would see all these kids like playing and just having fun and right. he would cry and beg. Mm-hmm. Like it was a trauma that he wasn't sure. able to play with these kids because he had to go and record music and be Michael Jackson, right? Sure, sure, sure. So I remember watching that going, God, that sucks. Right? you got all the money in the world. You can't do shit with it. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching that going, that's a legitimate trauma. I'm getting somewhere, so just bear with me. Okay. Okay. Right. So I remember watching that thinking like, God, that's fucked up. Like he just wanted to hang out and play with kids. Like I did it. You did it. It's a rite of passage <clears throat> for kids. Right. So then fast forward to this whole thing of like him hanging out with all these little kids and doing kid shit, like, you know, going to the amusement park and Neverland, which was pretty awesome, and you know it. Yeah. I would have killed to go to Neverland. Fair. Okay. So, in my mind, I just remembered him talking about that specific scene and how traumatic that was for him and how he missed out on his entire childhood and how that was something that never left him. It just haunted him for his entire existence. So, fast forward, and he's doing all this squirrely shit, like, you know, you know sleeping with kids in the bed, which... It's not appropriate. Any way you slice it is weird. It's not the most loving thing you can do. It's not the most loving thing you can do. I guess it depends on who you ask. Right. But my point is, is that Michael Jackson is not like you and I. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, we had a childhood. Okay, right. Yes. But even if we didn't, because there's a lot of people that came from some like fucked up beginnings and they weren't able to like do stuff as other kids. They're still not really similar to a Michael Jackson type person. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I would agree with you, but I also think that he had the financial means to be able to exactly. to be able to do what he wanted, like you know, create this whole like Neverland with animals and you know 
all of that. Michael Jackson <clears throat> had the, that whole life where he could just like go into any job where it was like in the recording studio and turn around and say, fuck you, I'm never coming back. Right. And he could say it. Like the right. rest of us. Exactly. We couldn't say that at our no. job. So no. anyway, I digress. So fast forward, I do remember that. And I remember thinking like, yeah, that's inappropriate. And it probably wasn't in, it wasn't good judgment on MJ's part. So, so you're, I, you're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of his beginnings. I don't know if I want to say beginning of the doubt because I don't want people getting mad at me. Yeah. Because I know that it's, it's a sensitive topic sure, sure, for sure, people. Sure. No, at the time, not now, but at the time. At the time, yeah. Okay. So now fast forward to what last week when I was on my couch watching this shit by myself. Right. Just riveted. Mm. And they're talking about the stuff that Michael Jackson did. So... In my mind, when I heard him talking to Martin Bashir and he was talking about like, you know, sharing the bed and all that, it's mm. loving. Yes, I thought it was inappropriate. And I was thinking about the things that happened that were not appropriate. Like maybe, you know, um, I don't know, like inappropriate conversation or wrestling. It wasn't what these two were describing, which was no. like full on no. sex exactly. with children. Yes, correct. So yes, I, it's been very hard. It's been a hard week. Mm-hmm. Because, again, being raised by Michael Jackson. Right. When the whole R. Kelly thing came out, I was totally on board. I'm like, you know what? Mute R. Kelly. We don't need to listen to that shit. Truth be told, I don't have a single R. Kelly album. (laughs) So I was totally on board for the boycott. Right, right, right. Sure. But now that it involves, like, I don't know if I could really sign up and say, listen, I'm never going to listen to Billie Jean again. That's fair. But let me ask you this. Don't you think that the parents that were involved, the parents that were at Neverland, don't you think at some point they would have gotten a little bit more suspicious? Yes, but again, remember, if this was a long time ago, and this was before the internet, and this was before we were all so closely connected, and you were meeting Michael Jackson for the first time. I mean, I hate to say this, my fucking parents would have probably let me spend the night with him too. Mm. Especially when he bought those people the house. Mm. It would have been over for me. Okay. Luckily, he didn't want girls, so. Yeah, you're safe. It would have been safe, but... I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it, because, I mean, it's, it's really no laughing matter. No. I could see how somebody could get totally caught up in that. You know, the idea of you're traveling with the most famous person on the planet, right? And right. he's your friend. Right, 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 right. And he wants to make sure that you're comfortable and that you're, you know, everything that you you need, you're getting. Not only that, but also showing you part of his weakness because he would call them and say, you know, I'm lonely, Crying. thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. So they saw a side of him that he wasn't going to show the world. And so maybe they felt a little bit more trusting too. That's true. Do you remember the part where the guy, um, what was it, the safe check guy, was talking about how Michael Jackson's pe- Michael Jackson called him and said, like, get me out of here. I want to spend the weekend at your house. Yes. Right? And then the parents were super excited because they got in their car and they drove. Yes. This is when he was living in Encino with his mom. Right. And then they drove and then they were avoiding the paparazzi and they were doing all of these shortcuts. And all I kept thinking about was this, like, regular family from Simi Valley and their Toyota Corolla with right. Michael Jackson in the backseat, <laughs> like, dodging the paparazzi. That's some exciting shit. Right, of course. I could get caught up in that. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Those. That's one of those things that you tell your friends and they're like... You're a liar. <laughs> and you really want to be able to say, like, let me get MJ on the phone and he can tell you all that. Right. <laughs> so those are the things that I think it's easy to get caught up in it. Fair. Fair. So were the parents complicit? 100%. So am I able to listen to Michael Jackson and not feel, ba- feel bad about it? Mm, I don't think so. Really? I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. Or I couldn't do it publicly. You can't go down the street blaring that shit now. Well, let's keep it real. I don't do it publicly now. Fair. Because I'm so cool and I'm above it too. So right. I wouldn't do that in public anyway. So I guess I'm okay. Because I've been listening to that shit in secret for years. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Okay, this is so not funny. Mm. But it's 
really fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Let me just say, first of all, that this has been all over the news because it's such a big story. And it's, um, I think it's relevant, especially in like the whole Me Too movement and what we were talking about with uh, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Did you see that R. Kelly interview? Admittedly, (laughs) just recently. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let me just say that there are a few things that are laugh out loud funny to me, mm. right? Mm, I know. I laughed so hard watching this, I gave myself a stomach cramp. It's fucking funny. Okay. And let's cover, let, let me just share why I found this so amusing, okay? And I'm not making light of the situation. I get it. He's it's a creep. Dark, no, of course, okay. absolutely, yes. Everyone, let's just dig deep. Everyone lighten up and let's just find the humor in this horrible situation. But. Mm. Before that, Gail, who knew? Uh, right, now she's not Oprah's best friend, now she's Gail. She's been holding Oprah's purse for yes. what, like 35 years? Uh-huh. Gail? Team Gail. Team Gail. Oprah who? Well, no, let's not get crazy, but yeah, I mean, right. yes. Gail, definitely. Mm-hmm. She was really showed herself to be a solid, solid journalist. Oh my goodness, and her ability to remain calm during that crisis that looked like epilepsy? I mean, come <laughs> on. I know, it was so terrible. Okay, so... R. Kelly goes on this interview basically to prove that he's not a lunatic and mm. he's not a child rapist and no. he's not a total fucked up freak. Right. And he acted like a total fucked up freak right. through the entire yeah. interview. Absolutely. Completely emotional. You know what's funny about the whole thing though yeah. is he reminded me a lot of like relatives and people in my family oh, that yes. are just such victims. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean reminiscent of family parties where Uncle Danny gets all drunk uh-huh. and, and Jerry's got to sit there and go calm down. <laughs> You're here with people that love you. No one's hurting you. No one's hurting you. Use your words. It's so true. It was so Uncle Danny. But that to me was what was so funny about it is that you've got this guy on national television Mm. that he's there essentially to defend himself. Right. And you look like a fucking buffoon. Wouldn't you think that he'd have advisors that say, hey, hey, R. Kelly, let's, you know, when we do this interview. Robert. Oh, excuse me, Robert. 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 You gotta calm down when you're doing this. You gotta make sure that it's factual. Don't use a lot of emotion, so on and so forth. Don't you think he would have had advisors or someone telling him what to do before he got on on the air? I think based on his entire life up until this point, he really hasn't had people to hold him accountable for much. Probably. I think that goes without saying. That probably. Well, I mean, he would do well with some sort of image consultant at this point because I mean, that was just nuts. It was was batshit crazy. It was batshit crazy. I mean, when he got up out of that chair and he started talking, the interesting thing is, like, I've heard R. Kelly songs. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the man could hit that pitch. Mm. When he went up and he's like, "You're killing me!" Like it was at a pitch that Mm. I had. That was some soprano shit. You know what? There's a whole (laughs) new songbook that he could totally cover at this point, right? And the first title to his new album is called "You're Killing Me." <laughs> Arias, operas. You're killing me. That's the first single. But I didn't know that he could hit that pitch. So that made me laugh because yeah, um, that was hilarious. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. And then Gail was that like calm and collected working mom. Oh my God. She right? Was, yeah, she was. She feels really bad that mm. the nanny's always taking care of the kid and she's right. not around a lot. Right. Yes. So when the kid's having a total meltdown, mm. she's going to hold her own. You know what she reminded me of? She reminded me of one of those people in an intervention, the one that's in charge. <laughs> yeah, totally. When the person comes in and realizes everyone's there to fucking tell them off and read their letter. <laughs> the letter. Calm as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. All I can think about is my own mother who would have stood up with me and beat the fuck out of me. Absolutely. My mom would not have. Your mom would not handle that at all. Oh, that would not have gone over well. That would not. Not There would have been no high road there. She would have been off and you would have been. I would have been fucked up. But the interesting thing was is that she really was, she had such composure through the whole thing. Mm. And, you know, I know that gets gone so viral, the whole Robert. Yes. I think that 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 goes without saying that from now on when somebody's flipping out, I don't care what your name is, Robert. Robert. Absolutely. No, absolutely. No. 
I think he probably looks back on it and doesn't even regret it at this point. I think that... No, he's a victim. No, he's a victim. He probably said, you know, I showed the world how hard this is for me and how raw this was and how emotional I am about this. And I bet you anything, if you were to ask him if he regretted that interview, that he wouldn't have regretted it. That's that's crazy. Mm. You know you're living in a silo. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what was really, really interesting to me? And again, working in the world of beauty, and this made me laugh out loud too. I'm telling you, I laughed. I probably burned like a thousand calories laughing uh-huh. at this shit. Okay, yes. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is funny. Okay, so he's flipping out, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's totally out of control. Right. And he's ranting and raving. Uh-huh. And so this dude gets up and starts powdering his face. <laughs> With that sponge? <laughs> that oh my sponge. God. <laughs> now listen, I've had moments, I've had some very low moments, mm. and I've had moments where I've flipped and I've gotten really upset. Yes. I've, it's never occurred to me that maybe I need some powder. No one said, hey, let me just give you like a complimentary citrus salad. I'll put a local voice Never. But to me, that was so hilarious is that that was the answer to that guy that uh-huh. was trying to serve a purpose oh, in I that know. room. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> R. Kelly. Yeah. So I know. So now I think when I'm on the edge, give me my compact. A calming sponge. <laughs> a calming sponge. A calming sponge. But anyway, I mean... I digress. Yeah. It was a shit show. Mm, absolutely. I think he came out crazier than he went in. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's changed anybody's minds. No, of course not. And I'm totally muting R. Kelly. Fair. I, well, did you ever listen to him anyway? Let's be honest. Well, no, I didn't. But still. I mean, I, mean, I you know. I've been in the mall at Forever 21 <laughs> and all of a sudden that shit comes on. But you're not listening to it at home. Fair enough. Fair enough. But now I don't have to. Right. Now I can polit- I, I have a political stance right. where I can say, like, Absolutely. I'm not listening to that because that guy's a total fucking right. creep. That's and he, reason, right? you cannot yell at Oprah's best friend and get away with no, it. of course not. No, you can't. Who now, at this point, is Gail to me. She's not just Oprah's friend. She's not just Oprah's homegirl. She's yeah. Gail. She's Gail. That's a big deal. It really is. Kids. <sighs> oh, my God, I can't. I can't. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, perfect, perfect example. Um, I was just shopping the other day, and I'm walking through the mall. And there is this little... You're so retro walking I'm, through the mall. I'm totally going through the mall. I don't like online shopping because <laughs> I always get it like later and I want it right now. But anyway, that's a whole other Oprah. Um, so walking through the mall and there's this little kid, probably about two or three years old. And the dad is literally chasing him going, Billy, daddy says no. Billy, daddy says no. Billy, daddy says no. <laughs> what would your mom would have done? First of all, my name wouldn't have been Billy, number right, one. Right, You know... It's such an interesting topic because clearly I don't have kids. I've never mm. been that person that was like, oh my God, I want to have a family. That's never, ever, ever, ever been oh, something that I've aspired to. And I think it's because I've always seen the other side of it. And it's not, I'm a totally selfish person and I've never really wanted to give that much time and attention. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's not true because I do that with my dog. I do give a lot of attention to my pets. But I guess I've just never wanted that level of responsibility. Mm. Like, absolutely. What if that kid grows up to be a fucking serial killer? Like, that's on you. Mm, absolutely. Well, your dog kind of is. Sort of, <laughs> your dog is out of control, honest. for sure. But no, I mean, I think you touch on a really interesting point. It's that conversation that you start to have with your friends where you realize you're old as fuck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Totally. When, when you start talking about, like, what your parents did to you, and it doesn't even phase you. Mm-mm. Like, I remember, I tell this story all the time. All the time. Because it's one of those things that I really do feel like really kind of carved out who I am and the way that I see the world. And it's something that by today's standards, child abuse. Mm, absolutely. Right? And I remember, and again, I'm going to get this story a little bit wrong because I don't remember the specifics of where we were, but I remember the gist of the story, which is essentially that I was with my mom somewhere and my mom's like old and she's, well, at the time she wasn't old. She was probably my age. Jesus. 
Um, and she was talking loud. And I remember I was like 12 or 13, you know, at that mm -hmm. phase where you feel like the world revolves around you mm -hmm. and everybody's looking at you and they're judging. Mm, absolutely. And I remember saying to her like, God, you know, like keep your voice down. And she looked at me and she said, nobody cares about you. Mm. And it was such a moment for me. And not in the sense that it really, it scarred me, not in any way, but to this day, I think about that and she's right. That actually can be very freeing. It was freeing. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it was freeing then. I think it's no, freeing not the now. Time. Now, absolutely. That's what I mean. At the time, I probably thought it was fucked up. But I mean, now looking back on it, like that's a life lesson. Mm. You know what, kid? The world doesn't revolve around you and nobody cares about you. Mm. Sit down. Right. Shut up. You know, there's a comedian and I don't remember who said it, but this comedian had said, the day that a three-year-old asks me how my day was, I will <laughs> So that means that reasoning with that child is out of the question. No, absolutely. And people want to have these conversations and things like that. And you know, here's the thing. It's very controversial. Very controversial to have this kind of mindset of corporal punishment happened. And it, in my experience, I mean, my mom did spank me. but She did. It wasn't bad. And to this day, my mom will say to me, the trick is make <laughs> them think you're crazy. And looking back, I thought she was crazy. Now, yeah, but was she though? Mm. Well, I know that's up for debate. But yes, I I, I get the point that yeah, you're making. That absolutely. If you're if you feel like somebody's unstable enough, then you're probably less likely to mess with them. Right. Exactly. And you, this whole whole notion of reasoning with a child that doesn't have the ability to reason yet. Sit down. Talk about your feelings. This is why, Robert. You know, we can't do this because blah 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 blah. I get the idea, but I see so many younger people now who feel this sense of entitlement and walk around like they own everything. Like they've not had to work for anything. Right. I mean, that's what people say about millennials. God bless them. And I have no, you know, I, I, I really don't have a bone to pick with the millennials. Mm. I think that they serve a purpose that we don't. Sure. I mean, I, my, my take on every generation is that the generation becomes better in some ways based on the flaws of the generation before it. Fair. Right. Okay. So like as Gen Xers, we are so cynical. Mm. We are so, I mean, we're such naysayers about things, right? Mm. And we always approach things with this sort of like dark mindset of like, and again, I think about it, like I was the quintessential child of the 80s and the teen of the 90s. Mm -hmm. I was a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. So me and my brother were Absolutely. home alone with no supervision. I remember I was there. Totally. Playing with the oven, doing right. shit we shouldn't be doing, right? Getting into the Christmas presents. Totally. 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 Yes. Uh -huh. Calling my mom at work to break up a fight. Like that's the kind of stuff that we did growing mm -hmm. up. Right. And now I think about all my friends with kids and that's just, I mean, that's not even in question. I mean, we walked ourselves to school. And Absolutely. Our, I don't even remember our parents like following up to make sure we made it. We were out. We, <laughs> we lived on a cul-de-sac and we were out until it was dark. In totally. In the summer, all the time. And our parents loved it because we were out of the house. Absolutely. So it's a different time and I get that. But, you know, I always equate it to, it's my, it's my running joke about the, like the last name, first name craze. Do you remember oh, the last God. name? That was like so 10 years ago. Oh, it was God. like, Reagan? Mommy doesn't like it. Madison? Get in the carpool. We're late for Jackson, soccer practice. Jackson, mommy's mad at you. Right. Like, what was with the last name, first name? Uh, right, or the third person. <laughs> mommy doesn't like that. <laughs> I don't like mommy. But no, I get it. Mommy doesn't like that. So now I think people and parents in general are just so much more cognizant of their kids' feelings, mm -hmm. which, again, if you think about it, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, but I think there's an extreme. I think that there, there's a way to, there, it, it's not just black and white. I mean, you don't have to, like, you know, humiliate the child, but at the same time, you don't have to treat them like they have complete run of everything. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I know years ago I went to this training and we had an HR person that actually spoke to us about like millennials and the fact that, again, based on the mistakes of Gen X, which were pretty underparented, they're overparented mm -hmm. now. And she'd spoken about oh. how she wasn't prepared 
to receive calls from employees' parents. No joke. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. Where the parents would call and say, you know what? I think Madison's review is totally unfair. I know she works so hard. And she tells me about all the things that she does. And she really goes above and beyond. And I think it's totally unfair. I mean, when she said that, I was... It, to me, that's so shocking because I can't even imagine having my parents call my place of work oh my gosh. To, like, to try to take up for me. No. I mean, it's not even on my radar. That is embarrassing. Madison should be completely embarrassed. Madison should be completely embarrassed, but she gave the phone number. Right. But do you see my point? My point yes. is, is that that's the generation. It's this generation that's been parented in a way that we were not. I mean, we were totally neglected in a lot of ways. Thank God, right? Yes, absolutely. But when you look at what's going on with, the, with a lot of these millennials is that they're still in that mode. They're still in that that mode of wanting to be parented mm-hmm. and wanting to get that approval, and they're desperately seeking that approval. And they're people pleasers in a way that I probably wish I was better at. Well, you know, and also, you know, as a person who has to deal with hiring people, what I'm noticing with these millennials is the lack of soft skills. Like what do you mean, like a soft skill? soft skills, like showing up on time or calling in <laughs> when you're, you're going to be sick, or you know those those things that are part of the job. That's but, common sense. That's uh, not well, a soft skill. That's what they call it. They call it soft skills. There's oh no! Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And so I'm seeing that a lot in the sense of entitlement of oh, you know, why wouldn't I get this? Why can't I do that? And you have to work for these things. You mean you have to actually earn it? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean I I, I get it. I, it's 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 so different. And these are the people that are actually again, they are taken up for all the mistakes that our parents made. Understandable. I and do think the next generation is going to be better, though, because I think that it goes without saying that people, and again, I don't want to offend everybody, but it goes without saying that people know that millennials are totally self-involved and entitled. Like that's and so not now it's that's go not breaking way. news. It's right. not no, breaking it's, news. No. Everybody knows it. So now I think that with the next generation, people are very mindful to not make their kids. What is it? Remember, like it was a couple years ago where all you had to do was show up to the game to get the trophy. Everybody gets a prize. Everybody gets a prize. Right. Like all you had to do was show up. Like right. that's not even the bare minimum. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> you don't have to play and right. you don't have to be good at it. Right. You just got to show up. Absolutely. And you Absolutely. win. So then you're saying that your prediction would be that the next generation would be polar opposite or maybe some sort of middle ground, you think? Because if, if you're saying that each, each generation is a response to the previous generation, then would you say that your prediction for the next generation would be much different? Let me just say that I have no data to back this up. Of this course, is totally like bullshit anecdotal. that's coming anecdotal. out of my head. Yeah, totally. for sure. Yes, I think it would be somewhere in the middle. I okay. think that people know that there have been some mistakes made with this generation that's up and coming, you know, like where you hire someone and then three weeks later they're ready for a promotion. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So now what we're I think what we're gonna see is that people are very mindful of like raising their kids with the idea of you have to earn things and you have to work hard and mm-hmm. you have to wait your turn mm-hmm. and you don't just get a prize for showing up right it's almost like I think about some of my employees in the past where I had to talk to them about being on time to your point yeah and you know these are people that could not get to work on time and then when they finally made it and they were showing up to work on time they would come to me and they would say like did you notice I I was on time yes and I remember thinking like okay and that's actually expected so that's right yeah but the mindset is is that the acknowledgement piece is missing like they expect you to say Thank you so much. I really appreciate the fact that you've made it to work on time. Oh my gosh. I mean, for me, that's bullshit. I'm getting sick to my stomach. I know. It's so nauseating. But again, when you think about it, if it takes five seconds to just say, listen, I know that this is something that you had a hard time with. I see that you've made the change and I appreciate it. You see, but the hint, okay, okay, yes. And I hear you. And it's I hear not going to kill me. I, I understand that, but I, and I hear you. But for me, as someone who supervises people, 
the people that I like that work for me are ones that don't take a lot of my time to try to cheerlead them and make them feel better and coach them and all of those types of things. If a person works for me and my job is easier, great. If my job is harder or I have more work because you work for me, that's a problem. Yeah, but I think the people that are asking for all that extra stuff, they think you like them anyway. That's the self-awareness piece that's missing too. That's a whole other topic. I don't want to really divulge into that. But yes, I think it goes without saying that if you have the self-awareness enough to know that I'm a grown-up and I have a job and I need to be here on time because people are relying on me and I should be sweating this guy to acknowledge that. Right. Because it's the basic. Well, (laughs) self-knowledge comes from conflict and self-knowledge comes from being like shown like your faults or your weaknesses. And when parents are going, good job, good job, good job. They've never been um, faced with their own inadequacies or own insecurities growing up. And so when they come into a situation where all of a sudden I'm doing something bad. For example. For example, if I show up late and someone says, hey, you know, you really need to work on your punctuality. All of a sudden it becomes this whole like (gasps) emotional thing where, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. And so there's this emotional thing because these kids grow up not ever being faced with their own faults. Oh, I see what you mean. So they've never been like sat down and said, you know what? Little Bobby, when you get into the real world, you can't be late like this. You can't, you know, things like, or whatever, or however it's done. But when you're not faced with your own with your own shortcomings, you grow up thinking everything's fine. And then everything's up to you. I mean, I think there's something to that for sure. I think we grew up with just knowing that there were so many things that were fucked up about us because it was being constantly pointed out. Oh, yeah. in a way. <laughs> I mean, there were so many things that were wrong with us, mm-hmm. right? I think it's, you know, looking back on it, you could really sort of, you know, chalk it up to that was a, that was a life learning experience Absolutely. and it's made me a better person. Or, Absolutely. Whatever. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it, but my point is, is that I think it's just like the most interesting conversation for two childless people to talk about of how course. they should be raising. I got all their, the answers. Absolutely. <laughs> how we should be raising our <laughs> phantom children and how we wouldn't stand for all that well, shit. Well, I mean, the way you raise your dog, I would not want you raising children anyway. <laughs> this is true, but I think that Reagan disagrees. All right, everyone. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been fun, right? It's been real fun. So this was the first one. I mean, this was an opportunity for us to just kind of, for me to just spew all that bullshit that just built into the inside of my brain. You know, oftentimes that's not all you need is a microphone. A microphone and just an audience. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for listening and for just taking a chance and for, you know, taking a moment to just delve into my brain and just listen to some of the fucked up shit that lives in there. Mm, It's pretty deep. And thank you for having me. Well, thanks, big guy. I really appreciate it, James. I think it was a good conversation. Absolutely. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time. Oh my God, I can't.